forgot to look Greece. I'm sorry. I was befuddled. Is he going after Kramer? Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1. The letter to the Hebrews. <clears throat> study guides back there that go along with this morning's study. Did you not get one? Yeah, there's a stack of them right there. Phrases. Okay. Take the, the, there's more. Yeah, grab some of those. You got them? Okay. Good deal. Alright, Hebrews chapter 1. I'll apologize in, in advance. I've got a raspy throat this morning. <clears throat> Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the Father by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Amen. Powerful, powerful introduction. It's a unique letter. We, the other letters that we have in the New Testament uh, address either a church or a pastor. We have the letter to the Philippian church, the letter to the Corinthian church, the letter to the Thessalonican church, the letters to Galatia and Ephesus and all the rest. Then we have the pastoral letters. We have First and Second Timothy and Titus and then a personal letter to Philip. But this is unique because this is to everybody who's a what? A Jew. a Jew. Now, given our current situation in the world, there are some people who hate Jews just because they're Jews. And uh, it's no wonder they have been hated and despised for centuries, millennia. And it's all because God put his, his name on them and called them his people. Yeah. How many of you ever saw the, uh, the movie or the Broadway stage play of Fiddler on the Roof? Anybody have yeah. Fiddlers here? <clears throat> and uh, Tevya, now, I was supposed to play Tevye in a college production of Fiddler on the Roof. But because there was so much drinking in it and so much dancing, our college uh, morality board says, no, we won't be doing that play. Because <laughs> there's a lot of booze and a lot of... Uh, well, one of the classic lines of Tevye, he's walking around mumbling to himself, well... All of these things happen to the Jews. We are God's chosen people. God, could you maybe choose somebody else? 
and uh, this hatred of the Jews. But this is one of the great letters of the New Testament church. It's unique because it's just targeted towards Jews and Jewish believers to give them insight of the full richness of their heritage. I'll make a statement that if you hate the Jews, you have touched the apple of God's eye because he said, I will bless those who bless you, Abraham, and I will curse you who curse them. So uh, it's not about politics. It's not, well, I don't like Netanyahu or whatever. That not, has nothing to do with it. It's the Jewish people. And we find that it's not just a problem in Israel. It's a problem in America. Oh my. And the atrocities and the things that are being said to Jews and about Jews, they live in America. They're, they're, they're not even Israelis, and they're being targeted. Yes. That's terrible. If it was just political about Israel, you know, uh, it would be like uh, targeting Italians that live in America. Just because they're from Italy. We wouldn't think of anything like that. But the, the, the concept is that there's a worldwide hatred of the Jew. And they have been persecuted. People even tried to deny the existence of the Holocaust. Yeah. And I, I knew some people who denied the existence of it. And I said, could I take you and show you? Because the Nazis uh, were proud of what they did in those concentration death camps. And they wouldn't listen to it. Nazis listed every single child they killed. And the date they killed them. Because they thought they were ridding the world of a blight. How'd that work out for you, Hitler? <clears throat> Folks, uh, we live in some Interesting times, yes. prophetically. It's a unique letter. You say, well, what about the letter to the Romans? Well, Romans, that was the worldwide place at the time. That, that was the people who ruled everything. And so they were writing to all the Gentiles everywhere. That's okay. Hebrews, just for one specific group, but aren't you glad we've got this letter that we can learn so much, so much. It's written to Jews, to Hebrews. The authorship is always called into question. Not to me, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer in the authorship of Paul to the letter of Hebrews. Now I know there are some that feel very strongly. Let me put it this way before we go any further. It's no big deal. The Holy Spirit wrote it to whoever wrote it. That's right. You know, and it was confirmed by the content and its confirmation that it works with every other part of the Word of God, that it was inspired by God, not man. So I'm not going to fight with you about it. I have some dear friends that said, well, we think Apollos did. Well, there's absolutely zero. <laughs> Evidence historically mm -hmm. that Apollos was involved in it. He was a Gentile. 
and uh, the vast knowledge of Jewish and temple history you know, might make it a little troubling for a Gentile uh, Greek. Authorship. There's several reasons why I believe, and I'm only doing this because there is some people that have issues with it. As I said, it's no issue to me uh, because the Holy Spirit's the author. Amen? Amen. You know, take it up with Him. He said, well, they, he doesn't have the heading there that he has in all the other letters. Well, that's true. But there are some other factors that we need to consider. The Pauline, the reasons for believing that Paul was used to write the Hebrew uh, letter to the Hebrew believers is his strong Jewish pharisaical background. Who did he study under? Do you remember? Gamaliel. Gamaliel, who was the premier Jewish scholar of the day. Mm -hmm. They have come across thousands of things that were written by and about Gamaliel. He was he was like the the Einstein of Jewish thought, and Paul was one of his disciples. He studied under him. He learned the law under him and Jewish history and all the rest. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he said. He was... He, he was uh, I, I gave you a, a sheet. How many of you have one? That sheet that I gave you. Somebody gave you. Did you not get one? Okay, Tom... Get up again. Walk Tom's up. You didn't get you didn't they you didn't get them one either. Thank you. Well they didn't raise their hand. Oh we can't. My goodness gracious. Anybody else not get one while Tom's up getting his exercise today? Thank you, sir. You're welcome. You're welcome. There's no pictures. I got one left. Anybody you got one know? left. Okay. Well, I can always print up more. If somebody needs. This is a uh, an exhaustive list of the common phrase that is in every single Pauline letter. Every one. And I'm not going to go over all of them but just a few, Paul always concluded his letters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Or the love and grace of Jesus Christ be with you all. Or may his grace be with you all. It was always at the conclusion of every single letter, and I listed them out for you and printed them out for you. You don't even have to turn to <laughs> You don't, you don't have to turn to them. You, you, you've got them right there in your own lily white hands. You, you've got those. Got those and uh, I don't know, that's impressive to me. Every single letter Paul, Paul wrote by the Holy Spirit concludes in the last several lines with grace to you. His grace to you. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 20. 
And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. 1 Corinthians 16, 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And then uh, we find it again and again and again and again and again that it's in there. And it's in there in Hebrews as well. I didn't list that one because that, did I list that one? No. I didn't list that one. I didn't list that one because it's in our study for the day. That the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Turn in your letter to Hebrews in the Bible. And turn to the last chapter, chapter 13, and go all the way to the last verse of Hebrews. Somebody read that out loud for me. Grace be with you all. Amen. Amen. Y'all. <laughs> with y'all. Amen. So, every other of the 15 letters all concludes the same way. And so does this one. I, I, I mean, that's his vast knowledge of the temple, his vast knowledge of the priesthood and high priesthood. Now, did Paul know the high priest in his day? Yes, he did, because who did he get his letters from to go hunt down Christians? The high priest. He went to the high priest. He was on a first name basis with the high priest in that day. He was intricately involved with his uh, legalese that he learned under Gamaliel. He was an upper ranking Pharisee and knew the high priest. And now the Holy Spirit is using him to point out that Jesus is our high priest. And bringing it all to the Jews that he's writing to, the Hebrews, so that they can put together uh, this relationship of Jesus and the Jewish people and the Jewish faith. So these phrases are a, a big indicator that it was Pauline, Paul who wrote the, this as well. Well, what? why isn't there a heading? Uh, because... Paul was not really a favorite, one way of thinking of it, Paul was not really a favorite of the Jews. Why not? Because they didn't trust him. Yeah, because he was one of them, and now he's, he's a Christian. And now he's going all over the known world, uh, uh, not killing Christians, but being one and converting people to yes. follow Christ. And so when you find the various times when Paul goes into a city, he starts out ministering where? In the synagogue. But then the Jews get upset, right? Mm -hmm. He's teaching the scriptures from the Old Testament in the synagogues, and they want him gone because he finds in those scriptures of the old, what we call the Old Testament, he points them to Jesus and his salvation and his, his work of the cross. 
And they said, get out of town. So you remember in Ephesus, he had, after being several months in the synagogue, he had to go and rent a hall, uh, Tyrannius' uh, uh, lecture hall, to continue teaching, and people followed him there. So some believe that the reason that Paul would not have started off the letter, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, uh, because he wants people to read the letter. Realize that? Yep. He wants people to read the letter. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I get a letter from somebody that I know hates my guts, uh, I'm probably going to put off reading it. And I'm going to read it with suspicion. You know, I, I'm going to read it with suspicion. I, how many of you have gotten some letters over your lifetime that you had to read with a little bit of suspicion? Because you knew uh, there was stuff behind it. <clears throat> I had a letter one time from a person who threatened my life to take out a contract on me. And uh, uh, that'll make you think. That'll make you think. I had another one that uh, put a curse on me that I was going to die w within five years. That was back in 1968. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it was it was 78. But uh, you know, I, I'm still here. I'm still hanging on. So I've gotten some bad letters in my day. And when I receive a letter from somebody I know doesn't like me at all, I would be very suspicious of it. Like, for instance, if today I got a letter from uh, a political figure that I did not resonate with, I, how many of you are starting to get some political mail? Continues. And this one guy says, "We've got to, we've got to push through and and get this abortion on demand in Ohio. We've got to push through and get get legalized drugs, and we've got to push through." You know, uh, it says, "If you don't want to receive these, put stop." So I uh, I've been writing stop a lot because I know what's going to come out from that side of, side of town. I was calling the other day to figure out, I don't know all of the uh, city council candidates in Grove City, or as we lovingly refer to it, Grove Tucky. I don't know them all. And so I called the mayor's office, whom I support, and, and uh, said, you know, could you help me out? And they haven't gotten back with me yet. Uh, people you can work with. And, but then I figured out a better way. We have a guy in our neighborhood who is for everything I'm against. <laughs> and so I just parked in front of his uh, yard the other day and jotted down who he was for and what he was for and realized everybody else is who I'm voting for. Never mind. Just, just, just a thought. But that, that is one of the thoughts in association with why Paul would not have used a heading, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, because he wants people to read this. The Holy Spirit wants people to read this letter. So there's all kinds of other theories out there, but the bottom 
line is this. Well, I wrote them down for you before I copied them for you. Some people suggest it was Apollos. There's absolutely zero early church confirmation that he wrote anything. It's not the pen, it's the ink. And we've talked before about divine inspiration. It's like you have a pen. Everybody got a pen in your hand? I got one there. <coughs> no, that was a pen. <coughs> That's my pen. You got my pen. What you do? Got my pen. Now, now, on this pen, you can figure out, if you can discern it, my handwriting. And it's the same ink, but you can, Linda can tell you in a moment, oh, that's, that's Ken scratching. Uh, I can't read it sometimes when I'm done writing. And you can pick out the characteristics of someone's penmanship. But if you do an analysis of the ink, you know it came from this, this pen. Because every ink has slight differences in whatever. It can be determined if it's live ink or it was computer generated or whatever. It's the ink. It's the Holy Spirit flowing through the vessel to write the words. And you can pick up the personalities and the penmanship, if you will, of the person that's being used to write it. But you know that the source, the ink, is from the Holy Spirit. Make sense? I hope it does. That's the best illustration I got. A divine inspiration. It's not that him, him saying, well, you say, well, is it word for word? Well, it's word for word through the pen and through the, the person who's being used to write. And he may use illustrations that he's familiar with, but you can tell the ink. You can discern the ink. You want to use that again? Yes. Don't forget where you got it. <laughs> I will not forget. So the, it's no big deal. Don't, it's not a hill to die on. Uh, you know, the authorship. But uh, I think there's adequate, this is my opinion, I believe there's adequate evidence it was written by Paul because of his vast Jewish knowledge knowledge of the temple, association with uh, temple leadership, and these, these 15 or 16 phrases in every single letter he was used to write. Yes. So, Makes sense. You do whatever you want with that. Use it as a bookmark. I don't care. The first principle that we want to look at today the proper heart set when we're praying. I'm not, I was going to say mindset, but no, it's more of a heart set. Yeah, it is. Uh, when we pray. And that's the first principle we want to look at. And we're going to look at that classic verse in Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Would somebody look that up and read that for us. And then everybody have your Bible open to that portion of Scripture. He. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Because it's all about, guess what? Context. All about context. When we study the Word of God, 
We don't just pull verses out. We look at the context, the neighborhood they're in, and what's happening around about them. Uh, who will read for me Hebrews 4, 14 through 16? Okay, James. Seeing then that we have a great priest that is passed unto heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we are not high priests which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the help in the time of need. Okay. We know our key indicator there is the word therefore. He's brought us up to this place where he's making a logical conclusion based on what he's just told us. Therefore, we always got to do what? Come boldly. Well, no, 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 no. My phrase is, we need to see what the therefore is there for. Why it's there. What's the therefore? Therefore. It's uh, based upon this. You understand this. So what's it based upon? It's all in context. As you have your Bibles open there to Hebrews 4, it's going to show us the spiritual attitude we're to be in when we go to prayer. It's not that we're demanding things of God and we're just telling Him what we want. That's not the attitude that's being shown here. We'll discuss that in a little bit. It's not uh, begging or pleading God to do what God wants to do. It's harmonizing of our hearts together. And we need the spiritual attitude in prayer. Now look back at chapter 1 and you'll find that chapter 1 starts off where our focus is to be. It's on Jesus. If you get your focus off of Jesus, your prayer life is going to be messed up. Focus is on Jesus and uh, who He is. And what he's done, what he came to do, not on the angels, not on, on uh, the angelic being, beings, they're important, but have you noticed there's a whole lot of people that are just fixated on angels? Yeah. It's a big deal. You say, well, I like angels. I like them too. <laughs> but you know what? Angels aren't going to get you to heaven. That's right. Angels are not going to save you from sin. Angels aren't going to keep you out of hell. And so you can like them as much as you like anything else. But the thing is, it's about Jesus. If our relationship to God is about through angels and, and uh, seeing an angel here and an angel there, we got some problems scripturally. But if we focus on Jesus, we're in a good place. And we, we need chapters 1, 2, and 3 are putting Jesus, angels, and us in the proper perspective. Where our focus is to be Jesus. He's the, <clears throat> in, in the first uh, 
chapter, he's pointing to Jesus, and he's above the angels. So why would you spend all your time focusing on the angels if it's Jesus that's the one we ought to be focused on? And the author here, I'm just going to cut to the chase and say, Paul here says that the angels are not equal with Jesus. They, they are not on par with him. Now this cuts through to a lot of false doctrines and teaching of other believing groups. Now the uh, both the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons have a view of Jesus uh, related that he's kind of, one of them says that he and Lucifer were brothers. And it's just kind of a family ruckus going on, you know, from day one. No. Jesus, in the beginning, was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Was God. And, and so it's, it's not a Jesus fighting with, with Lucifer over uh, family matters. It's, uh, it's God, the Son, ruling and reigning, and our focus needs to be on Him. The angels are created a little bit lower. And look in chapter 1, verse 13. But to which of the angels has He ever said, Sit at my right hand? Right. Till I make your enemies right. your footstool. See, it's letting us know, don't focus on the angels. There's a lot of what we call angelology today, and people have false views about angels. Now, I, I, I'm not going to take the time to tread lightly here. I, I'm not, my goal is not to offend anybody or to hurt anybody. But know this, if you're focusing more on angels than you are on Jesus, you're out of step with what the Word of God has to say. And if you're believing things about angels that the Bible doesn't teach about angels, that you can pray to them, well, can you pray to angels? No. Uh, in the last book of the Bible, in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, Paul, uh, Paul, John was so overwhelmed by what he saw. He's standing right next to this big, hulky angel, and he saw some of these great things, and John fell down at the feet of the angel. And the angel said what? No, 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 no. Yeah. Worship him. Worship God. Worship God. You don't worship angels. You see... You can tell false angels if they want worship. You want fallen angels. They want worship in idols and in other things. They want to fix people's attention on them because they desire the worship. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, where Lucifer come from? Okay. We, uh, I don't have everything in front of me right now, but I'll give you a basic rundown. In the book of Isaiah and other places we find that Lucifer was an angel, created being, and it said he was one of the most beautiful 
angels. He was basically in charge of worship and everything. But at a certain point, Lucifer decided, I will exalt my throne above God's throne. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the one in charge here. And he staged a rebellion in heaven. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall. I saw Lucifer fall. I saw him fall. And he took a third of the angels with him that rebelled with him. And they become the demonic forces. So you say, well, then, then, then did God create evil? No. Lucifer became evil when he separated himself from God. The, the I, I don't have it all in front of me. I've I printed this out before you before, but the ra'ah in the Hebrew, when it talks about evil coming into the world, the ra'ah in the Hebrew, it means to spoil. And here's an illustration for you. As long as Lucifer, this angel, was rightly connected to God. He was a beautiful angel, served the Lord, worshipped in heaven, resplendent. But when he decided to disconnect himself from God, he was judged and sentenced to Rome until ultimate judgment because God will give everybody a choice of who you follow. That's right. Follow him, follow God, but you get a choice. Every one of us has a choice. And in the sense of that word in the Hebrew, ra'ah, for evil, when, when you have an apple tree and the apple is just fine, there it is attached to that beautiful tree and it's looking good. What happens if you disconnect it and set it over here for a while? What happens to that apple? Does it get better? Does it get better? No. It may look good for a while, but it rots. It spoils when it's disconnected. And sin, basically, is disconnecting ourselves from the life that is in God. That's where Satan came from, Lucifer. He was called the star of the morning. He was, he was a shining uh, angel, a powerful angel. But he thought, I will exalt my throne above God's throne. I will be worshipped. I will be large and in charge. And God says, yeah, you'll have your throne, but it won't be here. It'll be a place called hell. And so... He took a third, didn't he? With a third of the angels went with him according to the book of Revelation. A third of the angels went with him. You say, well, that's stupid. Yeah, stupid to follow the devil today anyway, isn't it? And yet, how many of you know some people are following him rather than God? That's it. I used to wonder in the... In the as we look at the end times and we see that there will be a time when Satan is bound in the book of Revelation for a thousand years. And everybody who's on the planet at that time <coughs> have had an opportunity to live under the kingship of Jesus 
reigning from Jerusalem on the mercy seat. And after the thousand years, Satan is what? He's loose. And he goes out and does what? Deceives the nations and people follow him. We got a choice. We got a choice. So that's basically in a nutshell where Lucifer came from. He was an angel. He fell. He's a fallen angel. The evil spirits that fell with him are the demon forces today, and they have power, and they do nasty stuff, as we see. I've been listening to some news reports and the atrocities that are happening. Uh, most recently, they had a uh, uh, testimony of a one boy and others when they came into one of the villages that was attacked on October 7th, they, a little boy escaped, came back and told them the story. They went to the place that he told them about, his home, and they found the evidence of what he had told them. That when the Hamas came in, I'm not talking about the Palestinian people, I'm talking about Hamas. They came in, they killed the mother, they killed the father, they cut them into pieces. He had a younger brother. They took him alive and threw him into a fur into an oven and killed him. And they found his remains in that oven. So where do people get that kind of evil? When you're separated from God. Pastor, I'm still hung up. Earlier you were talking about uh, voting and so, so forth. Uh, you know, I remember back in the 40s, adults talking about uh, the Jews, and they weren't talking about them uh, in favor. Uh, they, uh, they, there was definitely hatred there. Yeah. And this was, if you think about it, it wasn't that long ago that they had the Holocaust. Right. Knowing that, how could people feel that way? How can they feel that way? And here's the other thing that bothers me. Especially, I don't know, it seems like maybe New York. The, uh, the, uh, the local American Jews there, they lean to vote for the people that hate them. Yeah. Why there's is a, There's a liberal, a liberal bent uh, towards uh, the liberal Jew. If I if I knew if I knew you hated my guts, I sure not got hope for you. <laughs> well, you know, uh, maybe not, but uh, we find it happen all the time uh, in, on the issue of, of abortion. Okay, it has been factually established that the people who go through and suffer through abortions primarily are black. And the group that is so much in favor of it was established by a person who hated blacks. So evil shows up when we disconnect ourselves from God and his word. Amen. We're going to have evil triumph. 
And you say, it doesn't make sense. Why would they, why would they uh, side with somebody who's, who's doing that and, and, and it's against me? When you disconnect yourself from God's <laughs> word, you have no guiding light. That's right. You have no guiding light. And, and that's, you know, I don't want to, I, I, I want to make it through here today. I only have one class today. I want to teach it all, okay? But the bottom line is, if, you, we can, if I disconnect myself from God and his word and my relationship to him, I'm going to do evil things and not think twice about it. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> and, uh, it's a choice. It's a choice. The, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Why would people, after Satanists, they've lived under Jesus for a thousand years. Why would they listen to Satan's lies and go back under him? If you choose to believe a lie. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. more powerful than I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to take you far off, but when you're asking why they do it, I read where Beyonce prays to the devil every night, every day before, or well, evening, every time before a performance, she prays for the devil to actually come into her and make her uh, be liked by the audience, or, you know, and he, and he looks like he does. If you ever see her perform, I, have I haven't, but I hear about it. Yeah, it's, uh, now that's acceptable to people. You have uh, uh, very famous people that uh, are okay with going to a seance and getting demonic power uh, to guide them and direct them. And people say, well, that's their choice. Yes, it is. But it's my choice to reject those things and to try to live by God's word. And if I want God's power in my life, I have to be submitted to him. Mm -hmm. If I'm disconnected, I'm going to make some really stupid decisions. And we live in a world where uh, people are uh, justifying uh, atrocious acts. And uh, well, like in, in Africa, uh, the beheading of Christians that's going on, and you just don't see it on the news. Just don't see it. Just because they're Christians. Not going to see it on the news. But uh, our missionaries tell us they're in fear for their lives. They have to just pray and ask God's help. So it's, uh, you know, it doesn't make any sense to move in that direction. But it's a whole study of the, the Holocaust and the mindset and all the things that precipitated that uh, back in the 30s and 40s. A lot of it comes down to blame. Hitler rose to power because he found somebody to blame for the poor conditions that Germany was in. The Jew became the scapegoat. He actually, in one of his speeches, said, well, Martin Luther hated Jews. He started off liking them, and then when they wouldn't convert, he said, we need to get rid of them. We need to purge them out of Europe. Now later, uh, about 200 years later, they apologized, but, but he wasn't around to do the apologizing. But Hitler 
his speeches says, I promise to complete what Martin Luther started and remove the Jews from Europe. And so the Jewish people backed away and let them have the night of broken glass where they encouraged people to go and rob, break the glasses of every Jewish storefront and rob everything from them. Steal artwork, steal, put them into, into ghettos, put them into boxcars and take them to gas chambers and kill them by the six million. And uh, I had a, a dear friend that was part of our congregation in, in Reynoldsburg. He was in the, I forget what the number of it, it was an artillery unit in World War II. And he said, Pastor, I still have nightmares. He walked into Auschwitz to set the people free in Auschwitz. And he said, the stench of the ovens was nauseating. They just took people in, said they're going to give them a shower. They shot gas, and then they burned them alive. And then the people there are just mere skeletons. Every bone broken because they were Jews, nothing else. So it's a... Uh, evil is not only out there, it's very prevalent today. The, uh, so we have, <clears throat> where in the world was I? Okay, oh, um, let me get back, let me get back, okay. Focus on Jesus, okay, focus on Jesus. Yes. Don't focus on the angels, focus on Jesus. Jesus is higher than Jesus the is higher than the angels. And the angels, <clears throat> verse 14 of chapter 1, <clears throat> are they angels? Not ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. The angel's role is to help us. You don't pray to them to help you. You talk to the Father, and the Father will send help or send, you know. Remember Zechariah? Zechariah and his wife prayed for a son. They were old, old people. They were younger than some of us here. But they were, they were old people. And they hadn't had any kids. And Zechariah walks in to the, the temple. He's having a prayer meeting. He has a prayer request of all the people outside. He walks in and he stops right dead in his tracks. Just standing up there, leaning on the side of the altar of incense, is the angel Gabriel. And he was afraid. And Gabriel got to say what angels of God get to say. Fear not. <laughs> God has heard your prayer. Well, he had a whole bunch of prayers. No, he's heard your prayer. You're going to have a son now in your great old age. Sure. And uh, went on to tell about John. So you have this, this sense that Zacharias did not fall down and worship Gabriel. Gabriel was sent with a message to Zechariah that God was going to do something about his prayers. So they're messengers ministering to the heirs of salvation. How many heirs of salvation do we have here today? You've received Jesus as your Savior. You're an heir and a 
joint heir with Christ Jesus of all that God has to offer. So, get everything in perspective. You've got Jesus. Fix your attention upon Him. Don't be praying to angels. Don't be exalting angels. Angels are just ministering, helping spirits that God sends. You don't try to send them. I heard false teaching abound on this. And it's it's been very recent that I've heard it. That we need to command angels to do this. And command angels to do that. They're ministering spirits under our command. No. They're God's ministering spirits. And He sends them where He wants them to go. You see, we're talking about the proper heart set when we go in to pray. Mm-hmm. Not an arrogant, I'm going to boss angels around and I'm going to tell God what I want to have done and I'm just going to take authority here. and I'm going to, the big thing now is proclaiming it. I proclaim that this will happen. I proclaim. No, give it a rest. Give it a rest. Your proclamations don't mean a thing and neither do mine. It's when God speaks, everybody listens. Amen? Uh, he then, in, in, then after establishing Jesus as our focus, angels are just there as helpers. Don't worship them. And then he quotes Psalm 8. Psalm 8. And it goes like this. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you, you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him, man, a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, fish of the sea. That pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. The birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. How excellent is your name in all the earth. So we've established, we're going to get to chapter 4 here. Hang hang with me. We're going to get to our prayer principle, the heart that we're to have when we pray. Jesus is our focus. Angels are there. But we don't, we don't pray to them. We don't command angels around. I don't care what false doctrine you've applied for. You don't see that in the scripture. That's, that's not Bible. And man, what, are, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You know, you know why should this great God and the angels have anything to do with lowly us. It goes on. Chapter 3 continues to lay out our position. Jesus is supreme. 
Angels serve him. Mankind needs a savior. Amen? Mm -hmm. And we can we cannot approach God on our own. Well, here's Jesus. The angels will go through them. Nah. We, we in our own strength, we can't approach God. We don't have the sense to approach God. It takes the Holy Spirit to remind us we need a Savior. Uh, we're going off. We need a Savior. We can't approach God on our own. And then chapter 4 introduces the high priestly role of Jesus. The great high priest. There were over the centuries many high priests. But only one great high priest Jesus. And the role of the high priest was to be a go-between between God and man, and man and God. To intercede for the, the people. What happened on the Day of Atonement in the temple? The high priest would first of all cleanse his hands and his feet and his face. A symbol of cleansing that we need to be clean to approach the Lord. Then a sacrifice would be made. A blood, the blood of the sacrifice was taken in a basin. The high priest would remove his regal robes. All the jewels and all the bells and everything else, he would hang it on a nail just outside the veil. He would come into the holy place. On the right side was the table of showbread. On the left side, the golden candlestick. In the center, the altar of incense of prayer and intercession. And on the day of, of atonement, he would come up and he would strip away his regalness. And he would be ready to enter in to the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the sins of God's people through the sacrifice of the Lamb as a simple servant. He humbled himself. He laid aside his glory. And then as he walked with the censer, talking about the prayers of the saints and the blood offering, the lamb of the, the lamb that was sacrificed, God would raise the veil and he could walk in to the holy of holies. That's the high priest. Mm -hmm. Nobody else gets to do this. The high priest He's symbolized there as the one who makes intercession for us. And he comes in with the blood of the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. So the role of the high priest is talked about in the beginning of chapter 4. And the only way into the Holy of Holies, to the mercy seat, where, where the God's mercy is displayed over the sins of the people is through the, the blood of the Lamb and our great high priest going in. Titus <coughs> Titus 3. Can I get somebody to read that for me? Titus 3, 3 through 7. Titus 3, 3 through 7. When you got it, raise your hand. You got it. Titus 3, 3 through 7. 
given in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work? Uh, wait a minute. That's not Titus.
The word is parasea. Parasea. It means revealed or open, plainly, boldly. You're not putting on anything. You're not trying to schmooze your way in. You're coming in and saying what needs to be said because you've been invited. What might happen to you if you decided, well, I'm just going to go to the White House today. I'm not just going to go to the White House. I'm going to go to the West Wing where the president hangs out. How far do you think you're going to get? Not far. Not far. Hmm. Maybe you off the porch. Well, what happens, though, if you have in your hand a personal invitation from the president to meet with him for a special ceremony that he set up for you to come? You, 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 you take that and you say, you can't. What are you doing here? What are, you can't come. Oh, yes, I can. I've got an invitation. I've got an invitation. Well, let me escort you right in. Yes, sir. And you walk right in there, and you laid that invitation down because it came from the president. You see, there's a difference of just barging in boldly and coming because you have an invitation yes. from the high priest. Amen? That's good. We have an invitation. We're coming not, I don't know if God wants to hear my prayer. I don't want if God wants to do anything. I, you know, whimper, whimper, whimper. No, that's not how we come. And we don't come in, well, I demand this. I, I, want, I proclaim that you're going to do this for me. No, nah, it's not the way you come in. We've been invited into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we come not arrogantly, but we come because we were invited. That gives us our standing. It's not because of who you are or who I am or who I think I am. It's because he said, therefore, because he's our high priest, he's making intercession. He's gone through everything. We've been tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. He understands what you're going through. And now he's inviting you to come inside the veil into the Holy of Holies with him as well and to lay our requests because he's invited us to be there Amen. before the throne of grace. Let me show you where how this word parasea is used other places. Can I get somebody to look up and read good and loud? John chapter 11, verse 14. Who'll do that? Okay, you got that one. Then Acts 4, 13. Okay, Becky's got that. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, same letter. I got it. Hebrew, she's got it. She had her hand up first. Okay, Let me see what else I got here. That's it. That's all I got right there. Okay. okay. We're back. John 11, 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Okay. What in the world? Plainly. Jesus just said it the way it was. The boldness here is not beaten around 
the bush. What would it be like if you were asking the Lord for something and you were beating around the bush about it? You understand that terminology, that phrase? Mm -hmm. what, what does it mean to kind of beat around the bush? Him on. Him on. Yeah. That, that's also another expression, him on. What, what, what does it mean, though? Not, not coming to the point. You're not coming to the point. You ever have your kids come up to you? And uh, we had this just the other night. We had the uh, niece and nephew over uh, for supper, and, and uh, they would want to do something, but they didn't come right out and ask you. They would kind of, oh, I like that shirt, Grandpa. Well, thank you for my, my ensemble. No, they beat around the bush. They do other things. My my kids would come up, give me a compliment when when they were younger. They give, oh, Dad, that was a great message, Sonny. I'm thinking, okay, what do you want? Because you've never said that to me before. You know. Well, I was thinking if maybe I could do go do this. They, they hem all. They beat around the bush. They're not coming to the point. Jesus said. Plainly, same word, parousia. Jesus said they weren't getting it. Remember when they said Lazarus is asleep, and the, and the disciples said, hey, "Yeah, good deal. That's you know he'll get better. He's, if he takes a nap, you know, gets his rest." They said, "No, he's dead." Sometimes we don't get it when people just give us a nice little courtesy word. Speak plainly. Come boldly to the throne of grace. We're to come and not him how around like God doesn't know what's on your heart. Mm -hmm. Talk plainly, not being rude, not being arrogant, not acting like you're large and in charge, but let him know what's on your heart. Let him know what's on your heart. Acts 4, 13, the word is used again in this Setting. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Same word for boldness here. What has Peter and John done? All they did, they proclaimed Jesus to the Sanhedrin. Well, you told us to not speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Well... We'll leave that up to you, but but there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. That was plain to the point truth that they spoke. Not trying to schmooze for a for a good audience, but come boldly to the throne, speaking, proclaiming what the word of God has to say on the matter, and having the word in front of us. Uh, Hebrews 10, 19-25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with your water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, 
for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Okay. Having boldness to enter the holiest, the holy of holies. It's telling us here that because Jesus is our focus, we don't pray to angels or worship them, and we have no way into the presence of God except through Jesus. Jesus wants to escort us as the high priest goes in and he lays the blood sacrifice down. We go through the veil, it says, it, it reminds us that he had laid aside the veil of flesh and he, he laid down his own life's blood on the mercy seat. We have access to the Father at the mercy seat of God, the throne of God. Let us, therefore, based upon this, come boldly. Not beating around the bush. Let's get to the point of what we're talking to God says that we might find come boldly to this throne of grace that we might have mercy to help find grace to help in time of need when we go to the Lord in prayer this is to be our heart set not demanding of God not even demanding an audience with him but coming through the shed blood of Jesus, covering our sin, washing it away. I don't have a right to stand at the mercy seat, neither do you, except for the, what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. That's why I got my invitation into the Holy of Holies. Same for you. So it's nothing arrogant. I, I, I'm so weary of, of hearing uh, people teach and preach and give Bible studies on how we need to demand this of the Lord and <clears throat> tell him what our rights are and how many of you think Jesus might know what your rights are? Yes. 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 You're not going to bully God. He's not going to say, boy, that was an excellent argument. I think I'll answer his prayer now. No. That's not it. We're to come boldly speaking plainly. Not because we're worthy, but because we've been invited. You've been invited. I've been invited into the holy of holy presence of Almighty God, the creator of the universe. And I'm not there because I'm a nice guy. I'm not there because I have a nice sport coat. I'm there because of the shed blood of Jesus that I've asked him to be my Savior and be my Lord. And when I've gotten away from God, I've come back through the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm standing in the presence of God to make my requests known to Him, not in arrogance, not in order, not trying to proclaim something, but I'm just somebody saved by grace that Jesus has given me the privilege of coming and lifting up my prayer to Him that I might find mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. That's the heart set when we come to prayer that we find here in the letter to the Hebrew, the Jewish people. Now think of being a Jew 
hearing this. This didn't hit me until just yesterday, so I was thinking about this. Here's a Jew, your average Jew, 99.9% of the Jews that are receiving that letter for the first time from Paul. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, they've never seen past the outer court of the temple. They've never seen past it. They've seen their sacrifice go up the ramp to be sacrificed. They've seen the labor where the priests would wash. But then there are these golden doors that go into the holy place. And they've never been inside because they're not a priest. They've never gone in and seen all the resplendent glory of the holy place. Nor had they been into the Holy of Holies, one high priest, one time a year, and they served until they died. So 99% of the Jews who were reading this have never seen inside the temple. Well, they've heard about it. Never thought about that. But now, the Holy Spirit is letting the author here say, you don't have to just hear about it. You're going to come in and Jesus is going to walk with you through it. And Jesus is going to take you past the outer court with the sacrifice. You're going past the brazen altar. You're going past the doors. You're going past the table of showbread. You're walking past the nine foot tall, seven foot tall golden candelabra. You're walking past the altar of incense, and Jesus, the Lamb of God, the blood of the Lamb, He has with you, and He said, let's just go on in and talk to the Father. Mm -hmm. Let's just go in and lay our prayers at the mercy seat. We'll do it together, okay? And the Jews have never seen inside there. But now, you can come boldly because you've got an invitation from the one who's on the throne to come and speak plainly. <coughs> Let us therefore come boldly to the throne yes. of grace that we might find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. What a, what a thought for the Hebrew who reads Hebrews. I have access been invited in. And so have you. And so have I. We come into his presence by invitation through the shed blood of Jesus. We're going to stop there today. We're going to stop there today. Pastor, I have a question. Is there a scripture that says where the angels do have wings? No. I'm just thinking about like I have this pet peeve where people will Well, we, we have, okay, we have Certain angels do. The cherubim and seraphim do. You know how the white people will tell you so-and-so died and they'll say they got their wings. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you know. Yeah. Life. People do not become <laughs> angels. No. It's a separate, separate thing. I love It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Clarence did not get his wings.
I don't care how many bells ring. But, but the Bible teaches us that cherubim and seraphim, those angels around the throne, with two they covered their feet, with two they covered their... So there's wings there. Then we also find in the book of Revelation, and an angel flew to this place, and an angel flew to that place, which would give rise to the, the wings of an angel. So, uh, and on the Ark of the Covenant, the cherubim wings are a part of the Ark of the Covenant that they cover the mercy seat. So there was an angel. So, so they were sculptures of cherubim on the on the Ark of the Covenant. So, uh, but we don't get our wings. We don't get wings. We we that that's we don't become angels and uh, thus myths, fables. But sometimes you just have to let it go because it wouldn't do any good at some points. I was overhearing all kinds of things like that at a recent funeral I was doing. And I, I was going to say something and the Spirit just said, don't, don't, don't bother. Just preach the word when you get up there and we'll sort it out later. I wasn't going to say something that was going to change their minds at that point. But just shut up and go on. Prayer request today. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. Not because of you, but because of the one who's invited you to enter with him, Jesus Christ. Prayer request today, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I went over to visit last Wednesday afternoon and he was in a coma at that point. And then when I called back, the daughters, his daughters had said that she wanted somebody to do this service, but when I called back, she didn't mention anything about it, so I haven't heard anything. So I, I don't know what's going on. But uh, he passed away last last uh, Thursday. Sorry for my heart doctor. He, he's got a family in Gaza, my heart doctor. He told me to pray for him and his family. He said he really appreciated it. What's his name? Uh, Ambrose. 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 Okay, Dr. Ambrose has family in the Gaza Strip. Unsaved loved ones, those who just don't, unspoken request situations that need God's intervention, not ours. Yes. Your family. Peace of Jerusalem. Praying for the peace of Jerusalem. All the uh, my my heart just goes out to those that are held captive over there. Yes. Uh, we've seen what has been done to individuals. I can only imagine the horrors that are going on uh, in confinement. Let's go to prayer, shall we? And let's take things boldly. To the throne of grace because Jesus is our great high priest. He's invited you in today. Speak plainly to him. Several lead us out in a word of prayer today, please. 
and I'll close in just a little while. Dear Lord Jesus, we truly thank you. Thank you for the word, Lord. Surely it is a lamp unto our feet, Lord. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Got many prayers that are coming up before thee, Lord. I thank you for knowing you in spirit and truth. As you bless our pastor, Lord, blessing from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, Lord, and touch his lips, Lord, and he will breathe forth what the Holy Ghost tells, speaks to him, Lord. I ask you to look down on the peace of Jerusalem, Lord, and say, I'm Look down upon Dr. Alvaro's got family over there in Gaza, Lord. Help him, help his family, Lord, protect them, Lord, and protect all the others, Lord, and also protect the Israel soldiers, Lord. It's a time of need, Lord, a time of turmoil, Lord. And help us, Lord, that we'll keep our eyes upon you, Lord. Yes. yes. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Lord. For we are a privileged people, Lord. And we know you in spirit and truth and love, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the glory in that name, the name of all names, the rock that we can stand on those terrible, terrible times. The Kabusite and the
Father God, we thank you for the privilege that is ours to respond to your invitation, to come boldly, openly, plainly to your throne of grace. By the shed blood of Jesus, through your mercy and your grace, we realize we are not worthy in ourselves to come through that veil. But you've invited us in. And you've told us to bring our needs and our situations that we might find grace to help in our time of need. We bring in with us today, Father, our unsaved loved ones. Yes. We speak plainly, Lord, without you, they have no hope. They're headed for hell without you. And we speak plainly, Lord, and ask that you would send a person, remind them of a word that has been spoken, bring them to a place or a position they would call upon the name of the Lord and receive you. Those that are running from you in rebellion, put barriers in their way. Bring them to a place of calling upon your name. We lift up situations that we don't want to go into with others, but we can bring them to you. You know those unspoken requests those circumstances and situations that are like a Gordian knot, they're just twists and turns and we don't know what needs to happen, but you do. And you can sort through it all, Lord, and we give you praise for that. We bring the sickness, disease, situations that we can do nothing about except turn it over to you. We're asking for healings. We're asking for you to stave off the works of the enemy. We do pray, Father, for uh, Linda Ingram and the loss of her husband. Mm -hmm. We pray, Father, that she will lean upon you yes, and not upon her own strength. We pray that you would take what the enemy means for evil and turn it around yes. for good. Yes. To use this death as a time of people reassessing their relationship with you yes. and coming home to Jesus. Yes. <clears throat> we pray, Father, for our outreach tonight, this fun time where we invite the kids from the community and their families, just a, a fun evening of food and fellowship. But Father, give us prayer opportunities yes. around the tables in the barn, at the different trunks where they're playing games, to share a witness about Jesus. Yes. To share a witness about God's love, God's plan, God's purpose. We know people are going to bring their problems with them. And we pray, Father, that you would give us opportunity to pray with people and see miracles happen. Amen. Amen. We're asking, Father, that you would just break up the, the hard ground of a heart and plant a seed tonight yes, that can burst into salvation. We pray, Father, for your touch, for volunteers, for helpers, for people to just show up and, and be ready to pray with somebody. We ask for your help. We don't want to do this in our own strength. We're coming before your throne of grace because, Lord, we need your help.
today. It's, we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
seeing the other side of so easily that I mean it was it was but it's not, you know, everybody's fallible, you know what I'm saying? Nobody's perfect. Well, it was just such a shock. Yes, because George, I mean, from, I mean, the church paid for his schooling. I mean, he was, but then when they went to give it to him, George said, no, I'm not doing it that way. I don't want anybody to say was handed. So I understand, and I understand that it's just been a drawn out. So is the congregation voted? They here's what happened. Well, first of all, because of all this, you know, the district came in. John Musgrave came in and did, you know gave them a guideline to go for, go through. They took. Because um, Jordan had to submit his resume to John Musgrave. And then I think they got like maybe eight resumes. And then they went through and everything. And then the, the um, board will bring the person before the congregation will tell us that Sunday, which I already told Jordan. Jackie and I already told Jordan. As soon as he finds out, we better not have to hear it from church. We better hear it from him. Because either way, i got to learn how to be, you know. So then they will set up a, a Saturday to do a meet and greet with the pastor and his wife and have a potluck. Then it'll be a Sunday that they preach and then the members will vote. But here's what, and I'm glad the interim pastor did this because Jerry did, was not, did not really do this. We have membership now. And your name, and you have to look through, you know, and if your name wasn't on there, because Jerry went, I mean, right before he left, he preached the tenets of faith over a few Sundays. So the people that wanted to be members could get in and then they voted on this board guy. So now they had a class if you wanted to be a member or you know go over the tenets of faith. They wanted to hear your testimony. And then after you vote, you don't they don't have to see your vote, but then you check off that you voted. So now they will know, you know, if two-thirds of the congregation approve, you know what I'm saying? They will know that. <clears throat> that was never done before. It's been, it has been a very trying year. And I said, Lord, help me to be a good learner because I don't want to go through any more trials. Yeah. But I like, right, everybody that's on the board, I mean, I, yeah. It's, it's, I think we're going in a good direction. I mean, I feel like the church is thriving. We're not just surviving now. See you tonight. All right. Should I empty this coffee? Huh? Should I empty that coffee? Don't empty it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make more and take it out. Okay, so that, huh? I loved it. Good. Okay. I thought you were gonna say I'm gonna drink the rest of it. No, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna. Last year, last several years, we've just had hot chocolate. And I can't drink hot chocolate, so I'm out there the and I, I want a cup of coffee. Have you ever had the white hot chocolate? The what? White. 
have light. Yeah, I had that. But I'm diabetic, so I, I'm not supposed to have any of it anyway. You're we'll diabetic and you're eating yeah. all these sweets. Well, it's limited, yeah. Just, just want to say thank you. Hey, good to have you with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, appreciate everything. Your message really resonated today. Um, I was telling Tom about it that, uh, you know, I, I've always prayed to God and I've always been a believer. I got baptized in 2005. Um, but I never uh, I had cancer recently. I just said, Lord, let me just hear your word. And so, pretty much everything you said today just resonated with that. Praise God. Welcome aboard. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Now that I'm listening, you know, I feel like I'll be able to move much more better forward. Yeah. We all need strength, yeah. I, that's another thing. I, I I went to this church and that church and this church. I just never really stuck it out. And I really need to, you know, when I, when the Lord talked to me, that's one thing He said. I need to find a church mm -hmm. and to find a pastor that. How do you say it? Keeps his uh, flock or something. How do you, how do you say it? But basically, you know, you watch over us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so that's what I'm looking for, and I, I think I found it. So, welcome. Praise welcome. the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <coughs> so amazing. I, I do feel so much better. I really do. Um, even what I went through recently, uh, without him with me, I mean, he made it so much easier for me. Yeah. Like I said, I had a good breakfast this morning after taking that out. And good. So it's moving along great. And, I'm going to go home and thank him again. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you very much, Keith. Thanks for being here. Hey, Jackie wanted me to ask you, but I don't know if you would know this. He said that there was drops. He said that you had small drops over the toilets. Mm -hmm. Where did you get those? What? <laughs> when he was here painting, they had drops, like smaller drops. He hasn't, but he can't find, he, he just wondered where you guys got those. Drops of what? Like drop, well, he caught like painting, you know, drops. Like when you paint, you put a drop down. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking. Anyways, if you could find. I have it, no idea. Like a cover, you know what I'm saying. Uh -huh. Usually a big cover, but this was a small cover. I have no idea.